0: Well, good morning, church. It's great to be together again. Today, we're going to be having communion together after the message. So please get your bread and juice ready. Having communion in September is always special to me. It is the season of spring when nature is coming out of its deadness and dormancy and springing back into life. This is a season that speaks us of a new life and of a new hope. And the reason communion in September is special to me is because that first communion service that Jesus had with his disciples also happened in spring. Okay, so get ready and we will do that after the message. Now, let's go on to part two of our series, Stranger Stories. It's true that just about every story in the Bible could be classified as strange, but some are stranger than others, and we are taking time to consider what messages these stories convey to us. Today, our theme is The Walking Dead. Take a look at your garden today. The new life that you see does not depend on your efforts. God has orchestrated everything so nature would respond at exactly this time every single year, bring forth life. And isn't that the message of the gospel as well? Just like the new life in the season does not depend on your efforts, so your salvation does not depend on your efforts. It depends on God and His work. And this is what this message is all about. I want to take us back to Passover weekend in Jerusalem. Our stranger event today took place that weekend. But I'm not talking about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. There was something else that happened that weekend, which could go by unnoticed. This event is stacked into a couple of verses in the Gospel of Matthew. It is the only Gospel that records this event. Jesus is hanging on the cross and is dying. Eventually, he cries out and breathes his lost. This is the record according to Matthew. Matthew chapter 27, verses 50 to 54. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth quaked, and the rocks were split. Now, this part we're pretty familiar with, but now here comes a stranger event right here. And the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised, and coming out. Of the graves after his resurrection, they went into the holy city, into Jerusalem, and appeared to many. So when the centurion and and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and the things that had happened, they feared greatly, saying, Truly, this was the Son of God. All these things that took place served as a testimony. To many that Jesus was truly the son of God but did you hear the stranger event over there it was not just Jesus that resurrected that weekend many saints who were dead came out of their tombs and walked into Jerusalem dead men and women were seen walking in Jerusalem (laughs) the walking dead who were these people The Bible says they were saints. For New Testament writers, the word saint means someone who has faith in Jesus. The church is called saints. We are called saints. And so these people were people who had put their hope and and faith in Jesus and had died in the meantime and were buried in that vicinity. The text implies that they were recognized by the people of Jerusalem, which means they had not died long ago. Otherwise, they could not have been recognized. The text seems a bit unclear as to the timeline of events. Did they come back to life on Friday and walk into Jerusalem on Sunday after the resurrection of Jesus? It seems that Matthew has condensed a number of events into that one phrase in that small portion. It is more likely that when Jesus died, the earthquake took place, the graves were opened, and the curtain, uh, the temple curtain was torn. And then on Sunday, when Jesus came back to life, these saints came back to life too, and they walked into Jerusalem. Now it does not seem that they came back to life in a glorified body like Jesus did but they were rather brought back to life in their own bodies very much like Lazarus had been. They had the privilege of witnessing Jesus resurrected had more years of life on earth, and then, like Lazarus and others, they died again, and now they wait the resurrection at the coming of Jesus. What was the point of having these dead people coming back to life and and walking around? Well, it was to demonstrate the power of God over sin and death, to show That the word of God has the power to do the impossible, the unthinkable. He can bring the dead back to life and he can give salvation and life to the sinner. And if he can bring the physically dead back to life, well, he also can bring the spiritually dead back to life, right? And that is the message of the gospel. So many people think that they can do something to gain eternal life. Once a certain rich young man came to Jesus to find out what good thing he could do to be saved, to have eternal life. This young man had achieved much at a young age due to his hard work and personal achievements. He was used. To doing something to get something. And now he wants to know from Jesus what he must, what do, what must he do now to be saved. What more can he add to his list of achievements to be good enough to be saved? As far as he was concerned, he had kept all the commandments all his life. So, Jesus tells him to sell all that he had give it to the poor and come and follow him <laughs> this sh- this shocked the young man and and he went away full of sadness because he had great possessions although the young man claimed that God was first in his life in actual fact riches were first Jesus then has This conversation with his disciples, you find in Matthew chapter 19, verses 23 to 26. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Assuredly, I say to you that it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And again, I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Now, that phrase, easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle, that was a, an ancient proverb to illustrate something difficult to achieve. Some say that this needle is talking about refers to a narrow door on, on city walls, which was used at night for security to avoid having to open the gates. And it was difficult to get a camel through those narrow doors, often requiring removing all the cargo from the animal and then struggling to get him through. Others suggest that the prophet meant an actual sewing needle. The point of the saying is that it was extremely difficult, and in this case, extremely difficult for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And then, of course, when the disciples heard this, verse 25, when the disciples heard it, they were greatly astonished, saying, who then can be saved? <laughs> but Jesus looked at them and said to them, with men, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And this is the bottom line because I don't think any of the disciples were as rich as that young man. And yet they're saying, can anybody be saved? You know, And so Jesus says, the bottom line is this, that no matter... If you are rich or poor, you cannot save yourself. But that which is impossible to man is possible to God. Amen. In other words, God is the one who saves. God is the one who has the power to give life. Hallelujah. Those who had died and were seen alive in Jerusalem just after the resurrection of Jesus, it just added to the testimony of the power of the word of God, the decrees of God to do the impossible. There are more instances in the Bible where God illustrates his power over death, literally, figuratively, and spiritually. You may remember the prophetic vision which Ezekiel had. You read about it uh, in Ezekiel uh, 37, verses 1 to 14. The Lord takes him to a valley filled with dried human bones. And then the Lord asks Ezekiel, can these bones live? (laughs) What a question. Now, humanly speaking, the answer is no, of course they cannot. But Ezekiel is talking to God. So he gives a wise and appropriate answer. He says, oh, Lord God, you know. (laughs) Ezekiel knew that with God, all things are possible. So he keeps his options open. The Lord then tells the prophet to speak life into those bones. Verse seven says, so I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise and suddenly a rattling and the bones came together bone to bone. <laughs> Can you imagine that? As he continues to prophesy, something amazing and unexpected happens right before his eyes. Ezekiel 37, verses 10 to 14 says, so I prophesied as God commanded me and breath came into them and they lived and stood upon their feet, an exceedingly great army. And then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They indeed say, Our bones are dry, our hope is lost, and we ourselves are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up from your graves and bring you into the land of Israel." Then you shall know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves of my people and brought you up from your graves. I will put my spirit in you and you shall live and I will place you in my own land. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, says the Lord. Hmm. Ezekiel, he saw the walking dead. He saw dead men walking. Those dead bones became an army. This was a prophetic vision. And there are a couple of prophetic points here. First, God brings hope to the house of Israel who felt dead and lost. In verse 11. And over the years, from that time right up till today, over the years, God has been dealing with Israel and He's still dealing with them today. Listen, we have witnessed life come into a nation that was dispersed and practically dead. And they've become a nation that is flourishing today. And God is not finished with them yet. Israel shall still worship Jesus as Lord. You the point is this. Verse 12 foretells that God will cause the graves to be opened and they will come up from their graves. In, uh, In the story of today, the stranger story today, in the book of Matthew, is that story a partial fulfillment of this prophecy? Is it confirming that God does have the power to bring back the dead? I mentioned earlier that it is only in the gospel of Matthew that you find the story. Matthew wrote his gospel primarily to a Jewish audience. Most of the Jewish people did believe in the resurrection of the dead, but only in the last day, in the day of the judgment. And that is what Martha, the sister of Lazarus, said when Jesus told her that Lazarus would rise again. She says, yes, he will in the last day. But by raising these people, the Lord wants to show the reality of the resurrection, that he is Lord over death. The other gospels were written to a more Gentile audience who did not believe in the resurrection of the dead. And so adding this little story to their gospel would detract from the main event they wanted to focus on, the resurrection of Jesus, never to die again. These people that resurrected in Jerusalem, these people were revived, brought back to life while Jesus rose in a glorified body, the first fruit, the first one of that which will happen to all his followers when he returns and the dead in Christ are raised in a glorified body just like his. And here's another point in this prophecy. It points to a day when people will be filled with the Holy Spirit. In verse 14, there is a general indication that a day would come when the Lord would put his spirit into us and we would live spiritually. This filling would go beyond the Jewish nation and all who believe would be filled with the Spirit of the Lord, which is what we are living through today. Now, walking dead does not refer just to those who walked in Jerusalem on Passover weekend. The Bible says that when we come to faith in Jesus, we pass from death to life. 1 John three fourteen says, we know that we have passed, listen, we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. Listen, God is love and God puts his love in us when we come to him. This verse and other verses indicate that we were dead in our sins, but through Jesus we have passed from death to death. To life. We were dead, but now we are walking around filled with life. As followers of Christ, we are like the walking dead. We are filled with His life. But wait, there is more. (laughs) There are many dead men and women walking around us today. You see, the Bible says that without Jesus, we are dead in our sins. So, Those who have not surrendered to Jesus may look very much alive, but they are actually dead. Those without Christ are walking dead people. In the Bible, death often means to be separated from God. Ephesians 2, 1 says, And you were made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. You see, the Ephesians were not dead in their bodies when they heard the gospel, but they were separated from God in their spirits. When they came to Christ, the word says that they were made alive. The word of God has the power to bring back the dead, both spiritually and one day physically too. That is why. When we as believers, we lose a a loved one, we have hope. A day is coming when all who died in Christ will receive resurrected, glorious, eternal bodies. God has revealed in these and other stories His authority and power over death. Jesus has revealed to us what will happen at The resurrection, he was the first and we shall follow. The lost enemy to be destroyed will be death. Praise the Lord. Recently, I did a couple of graveside funerals. As I stood there and and looked across this field of tombs, I imagined the day when those who died in Christ and are buried there Would rise from the dead, receive new bodies, and rise up to meet the Lord. Spirit and soul, now united to an eternal body, will be with the Lord forever and reign with Jesus on earth. But as I looked across those tombs, I was also reminded that those who did not put their faith in Jesus and died will also rise from the dead not on the same day as the believers rise much later however they will rise to face the final judgment and receive the reward of their actions and decisions and to be separated from God forever the Bible calls this the second death and they will be the walking dead forever I want to close this message with the conversation that Jesus had with Martha just before he brought Lazarus back to life. I mentioned earlier that when Jesus said that Lazarus would rise again, Martha agreed but said it would be on the last day. This conversation is in John chapter 11, verses 24 to 26. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And that question echoes across the centuries to us today. Do you believe this? Yes, I mean... Do you believe this? Ask those who walked out of their graves and into Jerusalem that Sunday. Ask the man who was being buried and touched the bones of the prophet Elisha and came back to life. Ask Ezekiel who saw a pile of bones become an army right in front of him. Ask Thomas who at first doubted And then saw the wounds on the body of Jesus. Well, Thomas saw and believed. But Jesus said, blessed are those who have never seen him and yet believe. So, do you believe? If you have not done this yet, if you have not believed yet, put your faith and trust in Jesus today. Believe that he died for your sins, that he was buried. And on the third day, he rose from the dead, never to die again. When you believe the word of God, it has the power to give you life. That which to man is impossible is possible to God. Amen. So get your bread and get your juice ready and let us celebrate Life in Jesus as we share in communion. As I said earlier, it was in spring that Jesus had that last supper with his disciples and instituted communion as a permanent practice until he returns. So as we take part in communion today, I want you to take your mind to Easter. Feel the newness of life as we declare That in Jesus, we have new life, eternal life. As we take part in communion today, remember his words. Whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Wow, what a promise. What a comfort. Let us pray. As we come before you today, Lord, and we remember what you did We remember that spring weekend when you gave your life, when you paid the price for our sins, when you rose again, hallelujah, never to die again. And as we take part of this bread, we remember your broken body, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for what you did for us. We remember and we are grateful. Amen. Take and eat. And be blessed as you do. Let us pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your blood that was poured for us. This cup reminds us that all our sins have been forgiven, Lord. We believe, Lord Jesus. We believe that in you we have eternal life. Thank you for forgiving all of our sins. And as we take part today, Lord, I pray a blessing over your people. I pray hope. I pray healing. I pray provision. Lord, everything you accomplished for us at that cross, Lord Jesus, through your death, burial, and resurrection, I claim and I pray for your people, Father. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Drink. and can be blessed as you drink. The cup of blessing. Praise the Lord. Lord bless you. Keep you. Be with you this week. Let's get together again next week. For another story. Let's get together online. And in person. And let's keep on believing. Believing knowing that we have life, you have life. Let's live out the life of Jesus in us. See you next week, amen.